Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. <clears throat> All right. We got to go, Reg, here. All right, let's get the microphone all set there we go how you doing reggie yeah no kidding it is hot going through a little heat wave here in the chicago area and we got a couple of days of um of respite but wow and it's back again anyway we're not doing this outside so what are you complaining about we're here in the nice cool air-conditioned uh, surroundings what are you complaining about i know you had to get here believe me i'm sweating too but not now now you should be energized and comfortable right okay all right here we go episode 317 put it down in the book i'll give you the countdown i'll give you the three s's you give me the music i'll give you a podcast the hell are we futzing around here let's do it all right here we go Star, smile, strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcasts. We are there. Don't forget, if you go to another area there, rate and subscribe to this podcast. But most importantly, get out there and spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your family. Tell anybody who listens to a podcast. That your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. And it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion. Ah. It wells my heart like the Grinch at the end of a, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas. It breaks right out of that little that little X-ray. You know that great scene there when the when the who when the who when the Grinch is hot. Through four times its normal time. <laughs> if you like what you hear, don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com, go to the podcast section, go to the prompt for this podcast, and you will find, in theory, every podcast we've ever done since May of 2016. At last count, that means 316 episodes. And plus one today equals 317. So if you, uh, you're listening to the podcast today and you've been listening to the last couple of weeks, you may have noticed that um, my voice sounds much stronger and um, less nasally. And it's not cracking and it's not, it's, and it's not, it's not like Ron Sano. My impersonation of Ron Sano, Chicago Cubs. No, <laughs> no, it's not. It, it's 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 sounding. I I hope it's it's usual strong, robust, bellowing self. 
But it hasn't been that way for the last couple of weeks. And uh, and so I, I thought I would share with you my little, my latest saga. Um, as I always joke, if you listen to the, to the podcast on a regular basis, you will always, uh, you'll frequently hear me refer to my voice as my instrument. And uh, that is a, uh, I think, a, a correct and fitting description uh, for for me. Uh, yes, we, um, uh, you know, regularly identify instruments with a musical instrument. So if you're a musician, you want to tune your instrument. You want to make sure your instrument is in good shape, but... Really, the definition of instrument is any kind of conveyance, any kind of of product or any kind of, of object that um, that we use to convey some kind of sound or even uh, a, a, a useful thing. Um, but it's, it's, uh, so, so in my case, being someone who talks for a living in theory, <laughs> uh, I don't play a musical instrument, but I have a vocal instrument. So I, I refer to my voice as my instrument. And, uh, I must say that over the last couple of weeks, my instrument has not been in tip top condition. And, uh, it was, it's been a, uh, I'm I'm so happy to to feel as if my instrument is pretty much back to normal or or pretty darn close to it. But uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, it has been a very uh, frustrating and uh, somewhat uncertain and even a little scary um, situation because uh, I rely on my voice for a lot of things, but certainly over the last uh, month and a half, I've been relying on my voice as a, a major uh, component of my performance as an actor in a play called Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And I've spoken about that play over uh, a couple of podcasts ago. Um, and uh, as I said, if you listen to the last couple of podcasts, you probably have noticed that my voice was a little strained at at the very least. And if you remember several months ago uh when I had uh I believe I still I still don't know. <laughs> I'm still in denial. <laughs> I I may I mean I I I guess I had covid but I put an asterisk by that. I don't know because I never had any symptoms really and I took you know, positive. I, I had two negative taps, tests two days in a row, and it wasn't until two weeks later then that I took another test, maybe a week and a half later, and then I was positive. You know, the timeline never worked out. Regardless, I suppose I had it. Let's just say I did, and you heard how bad I had. A really, the only the only possible symptoms I had were, were real sore throat. Like, really painful. Probably the most painful sore throat I've ever had. So if that is a symptom, then I guess I had it. And But only had it for like a day and a half, and then it was gone. And in the past, I have had um, some serious 
uh, well, I know serious, not not to the point where I've ever gone to a doctor. I never had any kind of surgery or, or any kind of thing like that. But but in terms of just the severity of losing my voice, I've had that several times when I've just taxed my voice too much. Most of the time, it's been involved around concerts. When I've gone to uh, a couple of concerts, especially in a row, whether it's been Elton or certainly, I remember back in the uh, in the eighties going to see like three Bruce Springsteen concerts within either three days in a row or three concerts within four days. And I mean, that voice was shot because I was, you know, I was in my twenties and I mean, there was no holds barred and I was just screaming and singing along with every song at the top of my lungs and I paid the price for it. Um, and it's the same thing as has happened at Elton concerts when I see several in a row. Sometimes, sometimes I've, I'm learning now as I get older uh, <laughs> that uh, I don't have to really, I, I really, you know, it's funny. I, when I go to a concert, when there's somebody that I really like, and it doesn't have to just be Elton or Bruce, I, I just, I, I, I'm such a fan of music, and I, and I know all these, these songs by heart, especially by artists that I really like, and those are the people that I go see in concert. So uh, I just naturally start singing. Sometimes I don't even realize I'm doing it. Um, I don't try to sing too loud. I know that I don't want to, you know, I know there's people around me, but I, but I certainly, if I'm right up next to the stage, I don't really care. Uh, but I, I, I don't have a terrible voice anyway, so I don't think, it's not like one of those people you go, Jesus Christ, shut up. But I'm sure I've gotten some looks from people, especially from behind, which I don't even know. Unless I had eyes in the back of my head, like Laura Petrie did on that great episode of Dick Van Dyke with, uh, with Kolak and the Walnuts. But um, well, anyway, so I certainly have had uh, some throat problems through overuse and overextension of my instrument. And also it's happened quite a bit when I've done plays, especially those that are taxing vocally due to either the length of the show or the uh, content of the show. If my character needs to be yelling a lot, I will have had some problems, but I, I've it's never been, I mean, there was one show that I did where, and especially, of course, it was on opening night, especially, where I really, I had some, you know, I've been through, I had to learn, a, 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 I was in a play called Death Trap, and I, I, I was brought in two weeks, or about two and a half weeks before the show was to open, just cold, and brought into this huge role, it's like almost a three-hour play, and I and, and my character is on stage for almost except for like 10 or 15 minutes, and, and I'm not exaggerating. It may have been less than that, uh, that I was off stage. So it was a huge role, a lot of talking, uh, some m- moments of yelling as well. Um, and we had, I had, you know, I was doing, I was just taxing my body uh, to learn all this, and I was getting up early, and I had long rehearsals every day. And, uh, and so certainly my resistances were down. I'm sure I got a cold, which then added to it as well as taxing my voice. And, of course, on opening night, I had a really bad case of a horse voice or a laryngitis, whatever you want to call it, and I battled through it, but it was very difficult. And I remember, I mean, I was, I was, I, I had, like, you know, I was steaming my voice, you know, putting, you know, hot steam on my throat and tea and, and, and the whole regimen. And uh, I got through it, and finally it came back, and, and had a good run, but I remember that opening night. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I mean, it was it was really. I was, 
you shouldn't have to battle to talk. And I was battling to talk. And um, and as you, I said before, if you listen to my voice during the um, back in February, when I said I had a really bad th- sore throat, if you remember, I said then that I thought that this bad sore throat, and I apologized for it, and I did attribute it to then that I had just finished a show. And we had three shows in a row, and we had uh, rehearsals at the last week of any show. And I think I may have talked about this before, but when you do a, a play, you know, you have rehearsals a couple, you know, several times a week. Um, but then about the the, the, the the last week, definitely, and sometimes even a little more, then you have rehearsal every day. And it's called Hell Week, or in this, in, in, it's a connect because it is, it's just a long process. Because the whole show is coming together, so not only do you run the show, but you're going through all the technical aspects with the lighting and and the costumes and the blocking and everything to make sure is right, and and so uh, those those rehearsals can you know, tend to be long, and um, and so as I said before, your your body, uh, your resistances are certainly weakened as you are you know working hard, probably not getting much sleep. And then the next day you get up, in the words of uh, Jackson Brown, and in the morning light, come streaming in, you're going to get up and do it again for like a week straight. So you open up on, on, so the show is all in place uh, on opening night, but then usually you're kind of beat now, your adrenaline and your excitement because it's opening night and, and there's an audience takes over that whatever fatigue you're feeling. But when that show is over on opening night, believe me, you hit a wall. Because you've been doing this for a week or not, or, or sometimes more straight uh, for you know sometimes six seven hours a day, uh, and uh, and it's taxing. You know you're on your feet the whole time for the most part. If you're in a play, you know you're running around, walking around, and, and uh, I, I, sometimes when I'm in rehearsal from now on, I might I might see if I can count my steps. Like how many? I'd love to know in this play that I just finished. Um, recently, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? I'd love to. I, sh- I, I wish I would have had a step counter. I, I wish I could have put somehow put a step counter on me during this play because uh, it was just one set and not even a very big room. But I was on my feet. Um, like I said, it was probably a three hour and ten minute, three hour and fifteen minute play on on average every night. And uh, my character was probably off stage, maybe ten minutes, where I could sit down. But then once again, I I, I wasn't sitting down the whole time because your nervous energy. You know, you, you you sit down for a couple of minutes, and then I just would get right back up. So I really wasn't sitting very much. And I would love to know how many. You know, everybody counts their steps these days. Isn't it about 10,000 or something that you're supposed to do a day? I would love to know how many I did every day just in that play in those three hours. I'd love to have known that. But anyway, so, um, but yeah, like I said, a couple of months ago, back in February, if you listen to the podcast, uh, one of the podcasts back then, I was I was attributing my very sore throat at that time to having just finished a play because that has happened between... Uh, you know, sometimes uh, their plays have short runs, and sometimes they have longer runs. And uh, and that play back in February uh, had only we only did three shows of that, 
on a weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But we did have Hell Week or Tech Week uh, for about a week before that. So it was, you know, kind of like 10 days straight of rehearsals and you're getting up and you're driving and you're out and about and you're coming home and you're on your feet. And as I said, you're sleeping. Man, I, I had the best sleep over the last month and a half or so uh, during this uh, the run of Virginia Woolf. But, you know, so your, 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 your immune system, I'm sure, is weakened. Your resistance go down. It's easier to catch a cold. You're around people, so you're around more people uh, to, to get a cold. And uh, for me, um, I, I, when I get a cold, I really get some bad congestion. And, of course, that congestion in your, in your sinuses and your nose always affects your throat. And um, so I was surprised and, and very happy, in fact, um, we started the rehearsals for this show on April 2nd and opening night, truly opening night. We had four preview shows, which are kind of like glorified rehearsals. They have an audience. They are charged. People are charged, but not as much because the understanding is that it's, 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 it's a quasi-rehearsal in that the show doesn't stop on purpose. I mean, the director isn't saying stop and we fix something. The show runs as it should, and they have previews on Broadway, and they have previews uh, anywhere you see a play, you know, uh, at, at, a, at a big theater, right? They have previews performances, but the whole idea of that is is that uh, th- it's still a work in progress. It's getting it's it's a fine tuning of everything, so that when opening night comes, the show is ready. So uh, part of that fine tuning includes an audience. If you're going to get ready to present a show. Um, Having an audience there is part of the experience. It's part, it's one of the key components, in fact. <laughs> and so uh, the previews are there to um, give audiences a chance to see the show before it officially opens, and come for a, for a, for a discounted rate. But also know that it uh, there might be some rough spots, and in some plays, um, especially on Broadway. Uh, the previews are used as a workshop in many ways in, in that the show is is still being fine-tuned and changes are being made and and scenes are being cut or or changed or or completely um you know they're either shortened or or lengthened or completely eliminated and new dialogue is written after you know the the show runs a couple of previews and and the producers and the director and the writers see well this isn't working and then it's not really it, it it was it was fine in 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 rehearsals without an audience but the audiences aren't reacting they're not getting it or that was supposed to be a really funny scene or that was supposed to be a really funny line and it's not working we need a laugh there or they're laughing when they shouldn't be and so many times in a previews if you go to a preview show, um, you will be seeing a work in progress. And many times what you're seeing, the actors have just gotten new lines that day, a few hours before showtime. And, 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 and the next day, those, those new lines may be gone. Or some of more of their old lines are be gone. Or a whole scene is, is missing. So sometimes when you go to a preview, the shows that you see there, it's probably 90% of the same show, but there's could be times when, um, you know, there's a good portion of it that is completely different. And I've, I've been to some of those and it's, and I've been to some previews where there's been a long run and that, and, and, um, and I've seen shows in the previews uh, before it opened officially where, um, I've seen maybe two or three shows throughout an extended preview 
um, run before the opening of the show. And uh, if I see it at the beginning and I see it a week later and then a week after that, I'm like, whoa, wh- wh- where's the, or what, whoa, wh- what's that? Some, you know, th- sometimes, especially in a musical, it happens a lot. You know, songs are either eliminated or new songs are added or this one song was at the end of the show and now it's at the beginning of the show. So sometimes it's just a tinkering, but other times there's some major changes that happen through the previews. And so that's why they give the audiences a, a discounted um you know, price, because there is a chance that something that night may change, or the other fact is that you're really not seeing the finished product. So uh, we had four preview shows before our opening, and we probably started Hell Week or Tech Week, which is basically the same thing, um, about 10 days before our opening night, and about a week before our first preview so um and that was every day and that was at least five hours a day and on the weekend it was like eight and that's no lie so a lot of time was put in there as i said um we started rehearsals on april 2nd and so you know even in rehearsal you are you are you know you're even if you're not you haven't memorized all your lines you're reading all your lines from your script and um, as I said, this role of George, uh, there's only four people in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and George is, there's two lead characters, George and Martha. And George, we, and both of those characters have a ton of lines. George may have a few more, but am I saying, I was probably off stage for 10 minutes out of three hours and 10 minutes, or three hours and 15 minutes. So um, a big, big, just a lot of heft, just roll, just a lot of lines in general. And monologues and and lengthy monologues as well as, so that taxes your voice, as well as a lot of screaming, you know, in a script, as is, you know, on, uh, I don't know if a lot of people even adhere to this, but, um, you know, if you put, if you type on, you know, on a tweet or in an email, if you put everything in capital letters, that is uh, meant to convey um, great emotion. Uh, you know, if it's in capital letters, it's either anger or, or just, you know, hysteria. Uh, in, in a script, it's meant that it's loud. It's, it's big. It's filled with emotion. It's loud. And uh, the character of George in this play had a lot of capitalized lines. So my voice was getting a workout. Uh, five days a week. Uh, in a row of rehearsals, two days off in a row, but five days a week. Um, let me think. I would say three days. Three of those days were four-hour rehearsals. One of them on a Saturday was six hours, and on Sunday was uh, was another four. Yeah, so four hours uh, for for four days and six hours one other day. So it took up a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of hard work, and very taxing, certainly for me and for the actress who played Martha, on our voice. Now, she did well. Her, her voice did fine. Uh, and she, but she didn't have as much yelling as, as, as I did. I had, I had to do some major yelling 
and um, and I was I was just my character was just talking throughout the show. There was very few breaks there, so um, I was actually happy that I as, as the as the rehearsal process was going on um, through April and and then through May, and we started the show opened May sixteenth. And uh, the preview started, I believe, on May 12th. So for, you know, a good five weeks or so, um, my voice throughout that entire time was very strong. And even with, with all the yelling and all that, it was strong. So I was, I was happy with that. And I certainly was, was resting. Um, I, I wasn't doing anything for it, and maybe I should have. Um, in terms of you know using lozenges, but it it wasn't bothering me. It felt very strong, so I wasn't doing any of my little homemade remedies. And really, sadly, there really there really is no. And I'll throw a word out at you here: panacea, which means cure all. <laughs> there was no magic bullet. There was no. Uh, if you look online or you talk to a doctor. Uh, aside from perhaps maybe if your voice is really in bad shape, they'll give you maybe some kind of a cortisone shot in your in your neck. I don't know. Because it is a muscle. You know, your your throat is a muscle um, in there. I mean, things are moving around, and, and, and you can strain your muscle. Um, but in terms of, of, of a hoarse voice or a strained voice, uh, there really is no silver bullet to bring your voice back immediately. It is a long process, and uh, it usually involves, uh, you know, heat of some kind, liquids, rest. <laughs> and when you're in the midst of this kind of a show, there's 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 not a lot of rest uh, opportunity for rest. So we, my voice though was in was in good condition. And felt good and felt strong. And we had those two days off. And on those two days off, we had a week. I would, you know, try to limit my talking as much as possible. But I still was socializing and stuff. And I would, I would go out and we were very, you know, we were very aware of COVID. There was only four people in the play. We did have understudies. But we certainly, you know, if you're in the play, you don't want to miss a show. That's why you do this. So I was very careful. I did not uh, go out a, a lot when I was off. If I did, it was with people that I knew were vaccinated. We were outside. Um, if I went out in public, uh, you know, to a grocery store or something, I always had a mask on, so I was very cognizant. And thankfully, I didn't catch COVID throughout the run and the, the entire situation, and nobody involved in our production did, except um, one of our understudies did for about a week. She did get it, but thankfully it was early on. Uh, in the rehearsal process, and uh, she never had to go on at the last minute while that happened. We didn't get because there there has been several shows of people that I know where they start they opened a show over the last couple of months, and in the midst of it, they had to close it down because several people within the um, the production tested positive. We all had to test positive. We all had to show proof of vaccination and boosters and things like that. And if you've seen the, the, the headlines recently, uh, it's not just relegated to people in plays. Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones are currently on tour in Europe and um, had to cancel uh, a couple of shows, several shows, because Mick Jagger came down 
with COVID. So it can happen to anybody, folks, even Mick Jagger. And wow, I mean, when you're talking about canceling a Rolling Stones show, uh, we're talking about, you know, 60,000. I mean, the, this Rolling Stones show, there was the, the show got canceled within an hour or two before the show was supposed to begin. It wasn't even some of these things where all of a sudden he tested during the day. And, um, and people, I mean, people were in their seats an hour before the show or so expecting to see this. There was no reason in their minds the show wasn't going to happen. And I guess the announcement came down. I don't understand why, uh, you know, I can understand why they, why they, and who knows? I don't know the, the, I don't know the, you know, the timeline, but I would think that rather than just testing, if you're something like that, uh, if rather than testing, if they, if everybody in the crew and everybody on stage in a, in a big tour like that, I'm sure they have a, a very strict regimen because there's so many people, so, so many opportunities to, to get COVID. But, um, I can understand why you why you would test everybody an hour or so before the show. Fine, but wouldn't you test them earlier in the day as well, at least twice, so that you wouldn't have to do this last second thing where people have have hired babysitters or where they've driven you know long distances. I mean, some people in my case sometimes. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm getting on a plane the day of a show to go to a concert. So. Uh, but that's the reality of it. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe Mick Jagger tested negative at noon and then tested positive at six o'clock at night. I don't know what the story was, but all I know the show was in Amsterdam was canceled, and they had to cancel at least one more. Um, and don't forget, I mean, even in his situation, he's in amazing condition for a 78 year old man. But let's not forget, he's still 78 years old, and and we know the the dangers of COVID for elderly people and yes while Mick Jagger may look young and still running around like he did uh, in 1965 he is 78 years old and the body is it may be in in great condition but that body is still 78 years old so you never know so you know hopefully uh, everything goes goes well with him but um, but anyway so it was a taxing thing and I was happy in that I, I was very cognizant of my voice because I've, I've known that I've had, you know, some problems. And as I said before, uh, between doing you know radio and doing this podcast every week, I use my voice quite a bit for professional as well as, I mean, let's, you know, <laughs> you talk every day, don't you? <laughs> uh, whether you do it on a radio station or a podcast, you use your voice. So, um, but those of us who use our voice from a professional standpoint have to be a, a, a lot more cognizant. So I was happy that my voice was holding up, considering how much use it was getting, uh, not just use in general, but as I said before, a lot of uh, yelling and screaming and uh, using it in different ways, in high registers and low registers. So... Uh, my voice certainly got a uh, got a workout for, during this play, and I was using my voice as a as a key element to my character, and so and, and it was it was responding. So I was very happy with that. Um, until <laughs> so I think we did uh, in total we did twenty four shows with the previews and with the. 
actual run of the show went from the uh, the preview started May or May twelfth, and the final show was June twelfth, and opening night was May sixteenth. Um, and we did five shows a week, Thursday through Monday, five shows a week, every day. So five shows a day, uh, three hours and 10, 15 minutes. It's almost, you know, 15, maybe 16 hours a week of really overextension of my voice. And um, so I was cruising along until, let me see what day that was. I would say it was probably June 5th, like the week before the final show. And it was about halfway through that show on June 5th. Still, on June 5th, started the show, no problem, zipping along. And, um, and then about halfway through, I just, I said something and it, and I, I I went like this and it wasn't totally noticeable. I don't think it was totally, I don't think it was noticeable to the audience, but I certainly felt that I was straining a bit and my cast members did too. In fact, our stage manager who was you know, there during the show, and she's got to be ready for anything that happens. When I did go off one of these few little times in these little two-minute bursts that I was off stage, um, she must have heard it because she brought me some hot water with lemon and said, here, I heard your voice kind of get a little strained here. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. And that really did help. Um, So I felt that, and it wasn't major, but I still certainly felt it, you know, a little denigration of the voice but i got through the rest of the show and i don't really think as i said if you didn't if you hadn't seen me and heard me before and you would say wow he's not as loud as he was or he usually is i don't think you'd know that because i was my voice was still relatively strong so i was still using it well but i knew that i was i was using a little more effort than usual so uh i certainly was a little concerned when the show was over and so that night, uh, you know, I went to bed, and then, but the next day, I, I felt a little raspier than usual, and um, didn't hurt or anything, but it was a little raspy, and I did feel a little congestion in my nose. So who knows? Once again, is this a cold that I caught because my resistance have been down? I mean, it, you know, it's been almost two straight months from April 2nd now to June 5th uh, with, with no ill effects health-wise at all in terms of voice or cold or COVID or nothing. I was taking care of myself, but you never know. Like I said before, uh, after two months of of uh, this very taxing regimen, um, I guess my resistances went down in terms of my uh, my immune system. And so I must have caught a cold or something, as well as, as I said, using my voice uh, inordinately um, for three and a half hours each day for five days in a row, yelling and screaming. And so uh, that first day, I was cognizant of it. And so I went to my old standbys. I would gargle salt water. Well, first I got some, I had some chloroseptic, which I think is just kind of a, a little fake 
it's one of these throat supposedly supposed to soothe your throat. I think it just kind of numbs it temporarily. I'm not sure what it uses. But um, so I was using some of that and it was okay. But I was gargling with with hot salt water. That a lot of times has helped. Um, And I was using some lozenges, some hulls. Hulls always clears out, you know, know, that hulls, I don't know what what the heck they put in those hulls. Throat lozenges, but man, it clears out your your nose as well as your throat. So I was sucking on hauls and um, and gargling with salt water, and um, and we just had one more show until we had a couple of days off because we went, you know, as I said before, you know, Thursday through Monday. So Sunday is when about halfway through that show, my voice got a little weak. So on the Monday, I didn't. I sort of rested my voice during the day, and I was gargling with my salt water, and I was taking my my halls and uh, a little chloroseptic brought some with me and drinking hot water as well at the show with lemon during the show they would bring me some water i had some before and then as i said these these few times i was off stage i would i would certainly be drinking the hot water and uh, and i could feel uh that my voice was definitely um impaired more than it was the day before so it came back, but it didn't come back completely, and it was a little hoarse. So I was really putting in some effort, and because um, I, you know, and and, and I because I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna have two days off, so I'll, I'll get I'll get through this. And I once again, I I mean, I and I knew people that were at the show, and they didn't notice that my voice was was they they, they said, well, it sounded like you may have had a little tickle, but I didn't see anything major. So I was, but I was really battling through it. Once again, like I was told you, I did you know several years ago in Death Trap. But thankfully, I have a, a pretty robust voice, so that even my voice at sixty-five percent is pretty strong still. So, and, and that's probably where it was. Uh, I would say it wasn't. It was. It wasn't below that. But it was. You know, sixty-five is. You know. You know, if you're taking a test, sixty-five is still fail, right? <laughs> so, but as I said, I, 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 I. Mustered all the energy I could, and my voice is deep and and, and somewhat strong. So even me at sixty five uh, percent is probably what some people are at a hundred percent. So thankfully, I was able to get through that show, but it wasn't easy. And I was, you know, as I said before, drinking the hot water with the lemon and the lozenges and the whole thing. So when I came home that night, my voice was was pretty ragged. Because now that was two days in a row, and I and I, while I was able to rest it for you know twenty four hours, it, it 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 as I said, there's no magic bullet to bring everything back, and the only way that your voice really comes back is with rest, like that, and those, and all these little, and as I said, you go online, and you see you know how do you you know a sore throat or a hoarse voice, and, and it's just it 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 it's it's these things to soothe your throat. The warm tea or the warm, you know, warm water, you know, tea with honey, uh, you know, tea with lemon, hot water with lemon, hot water with salt. It's all there to uh, to soothe your throat. Uh, and then, you know, there's also, you know, ways to, you know, to, to, to loosen uh, whatever mucus, if you have a cold, whatever mucus may have developed in your throat 
And so, uh, so those Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm like, okay, I have to be on vocal rest, which is the the actor's term for keep your mouth shut for two days. <laughs> so thankfully, I didn't lose my voice like that when we were starting the run that week, like on that Thursday, I had to do five shows in a row. Thankfully, I just, it was like a, a show and a half, and then I got to rest. So for those two days, my gosh, uh, I did not talk unless I really had to. And I went into full, you know, restore the voice mode. And so I went and I was like, okay, I need my tea and honey. The salt thing, I wasn't feeling that that was helping. So I went to the tea and honey. Uh, and I mean, I went through, you know, I, I went through at least five of those little bears, <laughs> you know, those little, those little honey bears. I don't know. You know, I mean, once again, I was a takeoff on Winnie the Pooh or not. I think it's funny that even in 2022 here, they still sell honey in these bottles that are shaped like little bears because bears eat honey, right? And Winnie the Pooh ate honey. <laughs> I think that's why they do it. Right, bears eat honey. I don't know. I think bears eat anything. When I'm on, when I'm when I'm watching those bears that break into houses, <laughs> uh, I don't see them going to the cabins looking for honey. I think they're eating anything that's around. When when I, when I see a bear, you know, scrounging around, you see them on video and they're and they're attacking people's garbages. I don't think they're like, nah, I won't take that. I'm just here for the honey. But for whatever reason, we still have this this image of bears eating honey. If you watch the Jungle Book with Baloo, you know, he's always getting in trouble, voiced by the great Phil Silvers with the great song Bear Necessities. But if you watch Baloo, he's always, you know, in, in, in trouble with a beehive. So this, this bears with honey thing, I don't know where it started because in real life, I think bears will eat anything. Bears will eat people. So they're not just looking for honey. But in our minds, and so I think it's funny, when you go to the grocery store looking for honey, you will either see the bottles, the plastic bottles that are either in a normal size, just a bottle, but then these other companies that are trying to appeal to maybe kids or I don't know what, um, they still have the bears, and it's the same. And, and even if you get, this is what I discovered, being now shopping for honey for like a week in a row, I went through at least five or six of these little bears, those little bears, you go to any store, and you buy any brand of honey that comes in a bare <laughs> in a bare plastic bottle and it's the same bottle so whoever makes those bare bottles has a monopoly on them whoever's making the bare bottle for honey they have a monopoly whether you get the the uh, a brand name that sells it in a bunny or in a bear or you get the the store brand of a grocery store, whether it's Jewel or Mariano's or, or whichever you go, their store brand, it still comes in that same bear bottle. There are not different bears. The honey may be different. For all I know, it's the same honey, too. Just put a different label on it. We know nowadays that uh, you know all those off-brands are still made by the major companies. They just maybe not be the same quality. And uh, the same companies are just slapping a different label on it, and uh, it's a little less, but it's the same product to, su- to some extent. Uh, as I said, there might be, 
you know, a, a late, uh, they might use, um, I don't know how you differentiate between honey. I don't know how you can use uh, lesser ingredients for honey because a bee is a bee, right? You say, well, there's a fat bee and there's a skinny bee. So maybe the, the fat bee makes better honey. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, what I did discover after buying five of those bottles and going through at least a bottle a day of honey, um, and I have this, maybe it was even more than that. Um, I bought, and, and you know what? I'm, 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 and I'm talking about the bottle of, and then I'm saying how silly this is. And yet I bought, when I bought all those bottles, I bought the one with the bear, even though there was a normal bottle that was just a, a regular bottle of honey. I chose the bear bottle. So I could say all I want, how silly, how silly it is. And yet it got me five times or six times. Or sometimes another bottle looks like a hive. <laughs> it's just honey, folks. Can't you just put it in a regular bottle? I, I, it's, I don't think the price is any more. Maybe it is. I don't know. But all I know is I bought at least five or six bears. I did not go for the hive. I did not buy the hive bottle. So that little kid in me, I bought the bear. So you got me. Well, I complained about it and told you how silly it was. And it doesn't make any sense because bears eat anything. Look at me, Mr. Hypocrite. I went out and bought, you know, five bottles of honey over the last week or so. And I bought the bear every time. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so I had a daily regimen. Then I went out and I bought, uh, you know, this the, the, the giant size of halls. And then, of course, I bought some Ricola, Ricola, which I think is funny. You ever see that commercial for the Ricola uh, throat lozenges? That guy has this that giant horn goes Ricola. Now it just goes to show you. A couple of days ago, I could not have I could not have hit that note I just did when I went Ricola. There's no way I could have done that. I mean, my voice would no, have not allowed me to hit that kind of high note. Or if I did, it would have taken a lot of effort. So that's how I know my voice is somewhat back. Although now, I'm even as I've talked to you over the last you know forty five minutes or so, I've noticed my voice getting a little weaker and a little nasaler. I don't know if I'm I'm fully over this yet. And the show ended three days ago, and I've been resting, and I felt my voice came back because it you know that's that's basically at the end of the day, I think you could drink all the the tea in China. As the phrase goes, as especially the way Van Morrison sings it in Tupelo Honey. And that's interesting. All the tea in China with some honey in it. There you go. I should have listened to Tupelo Honey while I um, I was drinking my tea and honey. But uh, this a little musical digression there. Um, and you little leaguers can look up Van Morrison or that great song, Tupelo Honey. But um, But I think at the end of the day, it is rest. It is just rest because in this case, our final show is on Sunday. I'm talking. I'm 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 recording this on Wednesday, <clears throat> but see here we go. I'm I'm getting a little. I could feel that already, after just talking. For you know, forty-seven minutes at this point. Um. So there you go. It, it is rest. It is rest. I think. Uh. Certainly, these remedies with the hot water and the lemon or the hot water and the tea. Uh, help soothe it and the lozenges. Oh, let me get back to it. So I was, I was the Ricola. What I think is funny, when you watch the commercial, the guy blows the horn and goes, Ricola, but it's pronounced Ricola. When you watch the commercial, 
The guy says Ricola with his horn, and he chants that. But then when the voiceover guy comes on to tell you what the product is, he says Ricola or Ricola, not Ricola. So isn't that strange? Uh, that is uh, that is weird. Um, I don't understand that. I mean, from a branding standpoint, aren't you supposed to just constantly always reinforce your brand name? It's not like McDonald's and then McDonald's or it's, it's McDonald's, right? I don't know. But uh, or it's not Burger King. It's Burger King <laughs> all the time. So I'm not sure why they have the guy singing Ricola and then they say Ricola. But anyway, I bought some Ricola slash Ricola lozenges because they're a little, um, well, you know, they're organic and uh, you know, they're more natural. At least that's what it says on the box or the bag. And, uh, and, and those hauls can get a little, to have those those hauls, I mean, th- those things are, are fierce. Like I said, they, they really um, are powerful. So, I mean, I was, I was, I was always sucking on these lozenges 24 hours a day. I mean, I even fell asleep many times with the lozenge in my mouth, and thankfully, and not on purpose. And thankfully, I I mean, I just sort of fell asleep. I was so tired Uh, because, you know, once again, the show was very taxing emotionally, physically, as well as emotionally. It was a pretty intense play. Um, So when I got done, I was beat, you know, physically and mentally. And uh, so when I got home, man, I just hit, I hit the hay pretty hard. And those two days off were just like days to just completely decompress and uh, oof, really relax. So, but yeah, I mean, there's some times I didn't mean to fall asleep within my mouth, but I did. Thankfully, I didn't choke on it. In fact, I was, I was for, <clears throat> for almost a week, I, was, I, I had lozenges in my mouth as every waking moment. And as I'm just telling you, sometimes sleeping moments. I was so used to having a lozenge in my mouth. And when I would go off stage, as I said, I would have a couple of times I'd be off stage maybe for five minutes at a time. And so while I was off stage, I was you know drinking hot water with lemon and I'd, I'd unwrap a lozenge and I'd put it in my mouth just so I can suck on it for five minutes just to soothe my whatever I can get in there. Because, you know, once once you're on stage, you know, you're you're just talking. And even though in this play... Um, the characters are drunk most of the time. So I was drinking, you know, I mean, we weren't drinking alcohol, obviously it was just, it was tea, but it wasn't hot. So my mouth was a little lubricated, but not with heat, not with hot stuff. And so I would, you know, be down in the, uh, the hot water and the lozenges while I was off stage for five minutes. And, um, <clears throat> but I was so used to the sensation of having a lozenge in my mouth over the last week. That um, that one time, no, two times in different nights, I went on stage with the lozenge still in my mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't want, I can't do this. I'm talking way too much here and I'm, you know, I'm screaming. I, I mean, I'm either, I'm either going to, I won't be able to pronounce the words correctly. I might swallow it. Uh, I might spit it out, so I'm like, there's no way. So I'm, I'm, thankfully, I, you know, as soon as I got on stage, and I didn't have to immediately talk, thankfully, and I realized, oh my gosh, I've got this lozenge in my mouth. So I had to do some, you know, creative 
uh, on the spot thinking of how do I how do I do this without making it obvious, and so uh, I just basically coughed <clears throat> and then spit the. Um, I just I'm not a big cough, but just like a, you know, in character. Um, and then spit it in my hand, and then put my hand in my pocket, and put the uh, the lozenge in my pocket. That happened a couple of times. Another time. Um, there's one scene in the play where I have to give like a guttural growling yell of anger and anguish. And it's like, you know, just letting out your deepest emotion. And, and I was always worried about that as, as something because it was taxing on the voice. And so this 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 Monday, the day at the second day, where I was feeling this um, this strain in my voice after the night before, feeling it halfway through the show, uh, I had to do this scene. And so I I have this book in my hand, and basically I have to throw this book at the doorbell chimes, and I throw and I and I throw it as this release because I'm very upset at my wife. And I'm, by, I'm, I'm, I'm all alone on stage, and I have to just go, you know, just like scream and, and just bring out all your anger and emotion in this big scream and then throw the book in anger. So it's a pretty emotional scene. And then after that, after I throw the book and they hit the chimes, I have to say two lines. Uh, and then the act is done. And I get to go off stage and, and rest for another, you know, 10 minutes before we come back. It was only 10 minute intermissions too, so it's kind of short. So I didn't even get a lot of, of rest during that in terms of having to, you know, get a chance to drink the, the hot water and, and suck on the lozenge. So I'm, you know, I, I do this thing and I go, and as I do that, <laughs> clearly my voice and my neck, you know, was was you know had some mucus in it. Not to get gross here, but uh, you know what happens when you cough sometimes and you spit stuff up, and there's this mucus in your throat. And you're, what the hell? There's even a commercial now. Wasn't that is that Mucinex or something? Isn't there? Isn't there like an actual character of phlegm that bounces around that? They tell you use Mucinex to get rid of that. I didn't use any of that. I did not use any over-the-counter remedies like that. I used the old-fashioned remedies. I didn't use any medical ones because I, I didn't really sense that those really worked all that well. I don't know if they did or not. Maybe next time. Now that I have some time to uh, research that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research this a little more just in case I ever get in this situation again because I needed fast relief here. I needed some, you know, some fast but now that I have a little time, I'm gonna. I might go back and and really see what what medically are there any over the counter things that work pretty well. If anybody knows, if you've had any bad sore throats and something that helps get the mucus out of your throat and and helps your sore throat, if you have any of those remedies, or if you've used any kind of medications that may help like that over the counter, please uh, go on my Facebook page. Let me know. I'd love to just have that information. Uh, handy if this ever happens to me again but so i do this i do this guttural you know scream as much as i can because i don't want to ruin my throat again you know well 
something must have loosed you know that that you know that the the pressure and the and the power that I put behind that guttural thing must have loosened up the mucus in my throat and so when I did that it came up into my mouth the phlegm or whatever the heck it was and so I threw the the book and now I have to walk toward that with my back to the audience and I have to deliver these last two lines which ends the act and now I've got this giant loogie in my mouth I mean, it is huge. I'm like, whoa! And this is the kind of the, this is the this is the interesting stuff that you don't you don't know what goes on in an actor's head, right? So that best part of your acting talent is to not let the audience know what's really going on, <laughs> like this. So I do this yell, I throw the book, it hits the chimes, everything's going great. But now I've got this giant phlegm ball floating in my mouth. And I know that I can't say my lines. It's that big. It's it's right. It's floating in my on my tongue. I mean, I have two lines to say to end this act, and even those are yelling. I have to yell those out. So I have to use some force. And I'm like, I can't say these lines around this loogie. <laughs> so I'm either going to have to swallow this thing, which then may impair me to even talk, and then who knows what happens. I'm like I got to get rid of this loogie. I don't want. I mean, my my body is 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 rejecting it. So let me just get it out of here. But how do I do that? I can't just spit on the stage. And I, you know, so thankfully my back is to the audience. I have to take maybe two or three steps before I I deliver this line. And so I just wipe. I just spit it out and I wipe it on my sleeve of my sweater. And it's dark, thankfully, so no one can see it on stage. And uh, I now my 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 mouth is open and clean, and and certainly it's it's much more clearer because I just got rid of this major phlegm ball that may have been blocking a lot of my volume. So I delivered the hell out of that line for sure. Um, and then the lights go out completely. I deliver the two lines. Lights go out. I go off stage, and I look backstage in the dressing room and oh my god that thing that phlegm ball that loogie whatever you want to call it on my sleeve was huge (laughs) never happened again throughout the show but wow (laughs) you got to think fast folks it's live theater now i shall i should say that you say well uh you know jim we know that you're an elton john fan and uh you know well, being an Elton John fan came in handy in this case as I was going through this regimen. So then even after so after the two days off of not talking and, and just literally, I mean, every waking moment I was heating, I was, I was, I, I, I had tea, I went through, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a certain tea, it's an organic tea called throat coat. And uh, I guess... Actors swear by throat coat, and I think it also has a, it's natural, it's organic, but it has some kind of a numbing effect to it as well. And so I was told to drink, because I was drinking regular tea, and I said, they said, no, no, buy throat coat, throat coat, throat coat. So I was just, you know, for two days straight, I was just heating up water and having my tea bags of throat coat and pouring my honey out of the bear's head. (laughs) 
and the whole bear's body. I tipped my bear over and squeezed his body and at least six bottles of that and, and went through three boxes of throat coats and a lot of water and uh, a couple of bags of hauls over the, for, for a week. Because while those two days, that's all I was doing, my voice actually came back as I was resting and it came back pretty well. But now I had four straight shows, the four, the final four shows of our run, right? So these are the ones you really want to, it's only the last four days you're going to do it. So you really want to give your best. And so I was, I was certainly, physically I felt fine, but, you know, I mean, I was a little congested, but, you know, my throat was, I was battling it. And it would, and, and so, and even when I would come home, I, when I got to the theater, my voice was very strong, but inevitably by the half part of the show, it started to, to um, you know, get a little rough. Once again, I was talking to people and nobody noticed it in the audience. Like I said, my cast members did. And I certainly did because I was battling through it. So thankfully, I don't think my performance suffered, but I was certainly having to give a lot more effort than I used to because you just can't react. You know, I'm opening my mouth and I'm, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm clearing it kind of quietly and, and my nose is a little congested, so I'm trying to breathe through my nose and, and, and clear that out while I can. I'm not blowing my nose on stage, so I'm I'm kind of you know going like this when I'm not talking to, to sort of clear my way. And then when I'm going to deliver a line, I have to decide you know can, is my voice there? Do I do I have to breathe? Do I you know do I have to swallow? So uh, look, I know I'm not climbing in a mountain here, so I'm not trying to look for sympathy. But my point is, it, it's not just as easy as opening your mouth and talking. So those last four shows, I, there was a lot of effort involved, and I gave it my all, and, I, and I'm glad I did, and I think I did a good job, and everybody seemed to. The audience members, nobody ever said, wow, what happened to your voice? So I'm happy about that. So I was able to mask that as much as possible. And um, as the show went on, um, you know, don't forget your throat is a, is is a is a is a is a muscle, and so I think the more I did use it, maybe the more it started to come back. But I was for for almost a week, man. I was just you know drinking tea. That's all I was doing was drinking tea with honey, and uh, and sucking on these lozenges and not talking. And I got through it. But my my interest and my fandom and Elton John came into into play here too. So it's you always have to find a way for Elton to get involved in the story, right? So I remember reading about Elton John, you know, reading in, in articles throughout the years, and then certainly most recently in his book that came out a few years ago, his autobiography, that he mentioned in 1970 when he first met the singer and one of his idols, Leon Russell, uh, they must have been talking about sore throats because when Elton first came to the United States, he started to... You know, he was they once he he had this four day run at the at the Troubadour, which he literally became an overnight success, and and it was so successful they stayed and they booked him in all these other cities on the West Coast and even on the East Coast, and you know they just were running him because hey he was hot, and he had this four show run at there, so I'm sure and when Elton, you know, performs he gives it his all, and so I'm sure he was having some throat problems after the first two or three shows there, and so um, Leon Russell back then said uh, he had a remedy once again everybody's got these whole main remedies remedies for sore throats so leon russell's remedy was once again honey is always involved hot water and honey always seems to be involved in these but his added ingredient was cider vinegar and you didn't drink this you just gargled with it 
So it's like one spoon of 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 cider vinegar, one spoon of honey, and then hot water. And you make the water as hot as you can take it. And you don't want to burn your throat. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to say how hot that is. Um, but you, you take it as, as hot as you can get it, and then you gargle that. And apparently, I would assume that the honey as well as that vinegar must loosen up the mucus once again in your throat. Because and so I remembered that that Elton got this cure for a sore throat from Leon Russell. I read about it years ago, and as I said, it was in his book recently. And um, and Elton swore by it today, fifty years later. He still does it if he has you know throat problems because he does all these shows in a row. And, you know he's singing for two and a half hours. So I went to his autobiography called Me. And I looked it up, and I found it in the in the book, and that's where I found the little recipe. And Elton says, in the book, you know, so Leon Russell told me to you know put one spoon of vinegar, apple, you know, once again it has to be cider vinegar, and uh, and honey, and water, as hot as you can get it, and then gargle, and then spit it out. And Elton says, and you you'd be surprised what comes out. <laughs> and I certainly was. It was back. It was more of the phlegm ball variety, um, and it must have loosened up. It must loosen up your, uh, you know, the mucus in there, and you and you when you gargle, and then you spit. And I tried to get that stuff down as far in my throat as I could to the point where it's almost kind of gagging on it, which you know is is very uncomfortable. But when I would spit, when I would almost be gagging, I would spit. And wow, what was coming out of there was interesting. <laughs> so this wasn't a pretty uh, sight at home. Uh, a lot of a lot of mucus going around, a lot of blowing of the nose and spitting and gargling and whatever. Um, but I got through it, and it's a part of this story now of my memory of the show uh, and of this whole experience. Um, but, uh, it certainly was, I was, I mean, I was, I was, you know, I was a little worried at times cause I'm like, you know, I wake up in the morning and, you know, I had, you know, I was sleeping for, you know, five, six hours. And so I wasn't doing anything. So all this mucus was like, when I wake up in the morning, my voice was like this and very rough and my nose was clogged. And then I would start doing the regimen of the hot tea and the gargling and sl- suddenly my passages would open and I was blowing my nose and my ears were popping and then I was gargling and spitting and and finally you know but I mean I so I would and I would get up at like five in the morning and start to do this because I'm like I gotta get I gotta get my voice back for the show you know at seven o'clock that night so I was doing this for like 12 hours straight and then as I said even during the show and you know as the morning went on and uh, and then it's like one o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm like, "Man, my voice is is coming back a little, but it's not there." But then, thankfully, it seemed like every day by around three o'clock, my voice came back where I could. I it wasn't even raspy; it was it was weaker, but it was it was still I was able to pronounce things. I felt good, and so I would always start the show very strong, at least in my mind. I wasn't you know it wasn't creaking or anything. But inevitably, there was this one part in the show 
where I, it was just taxing my voice of just talking. The first act is an hour and five minutes, and then the second, you know, the, the, each act was over an hour and continuous talking and yelling. And so um, I got, I always get like a halfway through the show, three quarters through the show, and then all of a sudden I could hear it weakening, and then I would have to really, you know, put a little effort into it. And then by the time the show was done, it was pretty, it was pretty hoarse, and we'd have to start over again. So that was like a good week of that. So I, um, all I can say is, um, A, I could ask if anybody has any other remedies, let me know. I would be happy to put them in my back pocket if I ever need them. Um, I don't ever want to see honey again. I have had enough honey and tea to last me a lifetime. Um, but at the same time, um, I have to say that it's uh, it's an in, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting reality when you when you have to realize that sometimes you can will yourself to do this. You know, I I put in the effort here to to use these remedies, but it, it, it I always thought about isn't it interesting? Like, why every day at three o'clock? When I had to get ready to leave, I had to get ready, you know, and I would leave for the theater. Then was it was it mental too? Was some of this mental too? Certainly, it was physical. There's no question about that. I was taxing my voice, but but was there some mental aspect that knew that I I I I needed to get this? I needed my voice by seven, and I really needed it by four. I couldn't just you know I. You know, because, uh, you know, if worse came to worse, I would have to make a decision. You know, do I do I have to call them and say that I, I can't go on tonight? I, I mean, I don't want to ruin the show and I don't want to let down the audience. They shouldn't be paying to see me at less than 100 percent. And I did have an understudy. But, uh, you know, I, I when I, I like to show up on game day. I'm not I don't I'm I, I, I don't I don't like to give up easy. You know, I'll, I play hurt. Always did when I was playing baseball or, or any sport. So uh, it was, I don't know if mentally, um, every day around 3.30 or 4 o'clock, my voice was get stronger. And that was the exact time it needed to before I got to the theater and, 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 and start the show. So I don't, I'll tell you, you know, we can do all this stuff. Our our mental capacity, our brains, I don't know what's going on, but there is I think we are capable of so much more. You know, you psych yourself up for something and you get lost in the moment and the adrenaline happens and and you know, you may be not feeling well, but then that moment comes and you don't feel or hear the pain or you're not sick anymore. And and that's what this was like. There's no question that throughout the day, my voice was hoarse, and it was at times it, w- it would hurt actually, and I was certainly straining. But as the day went on, and I, as I said, I did all this physical stuff. I was drinking the tea, I was drinking the lozenges. But it just seemed like every day at three thirty or four o'clock, it got a little stronger, enough for me to feel confident that I could do the show, and enough for me to do the show. So thank you, Leon Russell. Thank you, Elton John. Thank you, Hot Water. Thank you, Cider Vinegar. Thank you, Lemons. And of course, a big thank you to the Honey 
in the little bear bottle. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Potastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family, tell anybody you know who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcasting and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 317. I'm Jim Toronto. I am here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podcasting from the end of the web to your screen. <clears throat>